Hello, San Pedro Podcast, episode 51. You are listening to the Hello, San Pedro Podcast. I'm Amanda, your host. Join me as I talk to amazing people within our community, business owners, community activists, local leaders, and people like you and me who love San Pedro. This is a place where we'll share big ideas, discuss hot topics, and spread good vibes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Silva. Um, to, on today's show, I have a really special guest. She's been with us twice before. I'm really lucky to have her in my network, um, somebody I can call on to see how our um, homeless friends and neighbors are doing. She is Amber Shakeginsburg. She's a nonprofit consultant and a San Pedro resident of about a decade. Um, she has worked with homeless services, education, and with social justice organizations. So I'm really lucky to have her back. Thank you so much to Amber. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get right into the episode. So I hope you guys enjoy. This episode was brought to you by San Pedro Today your local community magazine, bringing you stories from San Pedro. All right, everyone, and we're back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. Um, today on the show, I have a very special guest. This is, I think, her third time back on the show. She's, you know, the key person I go to when I want to know everything about what's going on with our homeless neighbors. Um, Amber Shake Ginsburg, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Thank you for having me. I'm doing well. I'm, I'm, you know, surviving in this yes. pandemic, but I have to be honest, I feel so thankful that I get to survive in a lovely house with a backyard and my kids have places to run and play. So right. overall, I'm thriving, you know, especially in compared to so many out there. So I'm, yes. I'm grateful. I, I agree. I, um, I think it's important to acknowledge that not everybody has, you know, the space and the, you know, there are people with, um, you know, big families cramped in small apartments and this probably this time is tough for them. And I think it's important to acknowledge, you know, um, but hopefully we all make it out together. We're all going to see each other at the end of the tunnel. Um, it, what has your daily routine been? Oh, Just wow. Personal level. Yeah. So I'm still working, you know, what I do for a living. I'm a nonprofit consultant with a small firm kind of in the Manhattan beach area, but we work all around Southern California, you know, mostly LA. Mm -hmm. And so my work has actually, my workload has actually gone up, which um, I feel fortunate about, but also working from home and trying to manage that with the kids and balancing life and everything has been, I mean, it's been, it's been special, but um, <laughs> a lot of my clients, so who I support, are on the front line. So either community clinics, free clinics, social mm -hmm. service providers, homeless care providers, or folks working in the juvenile justice system. So all these people, all of my clients need to still work and they need to operate and now they need to adapt. So they right. have to adapt service provision to telehealth or video or like one of my clients that works with incarcerated youth has now taken all the programs that they did in youth uh, camps or in incarceration and mm -hmm. are doing it now like via video and phone and probation departments having to manage that. So I'm, I've been very busy, but at the same time, I am so freaking grateful to be purposeful and feel like I am doing something that supports 
our frontline folks yeah. at this time. So yeah, I, um, and the, the work has been, I mean, interesting too, to be honest. I've had to learn so much more about uh, telecommunications and how to provide services in other ways other than in person, especially in areas where we think there's no way you could do that other than face-to-face -face, and we are yeah. figuring that out. <laughs> so Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think this is all pushing us to, um, you know, it's giving us a challenge we need uh, to kind of get ourselves up to speed with technology. Yes. And I think, uh, hopefully, I mean, we, we've all kind of seen the pictures of LA without all of the smog and how clear the freeways have been. Hopefully this will be the signal for businesses to kind of move a lot of stuff, you yeah. know, online and um, reduce our, uh, our pollution. And I, I don't know, I'm hoping that we take a few notes from this segment of our lives and we learn something from it. Um, well, I, I wanted to check in with you on a personal level just because yeah. we're all <laughs> going a little nuts. Yes. <laughs> um, I don't know if you can see the mess, the messy house I have. You know, I have a toddler, so it's been fun to keep up with. <laughs> I mean, I have my toddler, uh, you know, regularly interrupting my conference calls when I'm trying to sound really adult. It's always when I'm trying to sound really adult. And, you know, like everyone, I mute most of the time. It's that one moment that I unmute to say something. Yeah that, you know, he's offering me a Play-Doh pancake. And oh, that's so like, funny. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, be quiet. I, I have been, um, you know, normally I do uh, the podcast editing at night when my son goes to sleep, but like I've been really trying to stay up on it and he's been staying up later and I've just been going to sleep with him lately because I need the sleep. So I did the editing the other day and kind of in the middle of the day and I was like, all I have to do is do the outro. I'm going to do it. Yeah. He jumped on in there. In fact, in Linda Grimes' episode, which was the one that came out last week, you'll hear him she is um, so cool. do his little babbling. And I was oh. like, yeah, everyone's used to it. We're seeing each other's cats, pets, and kiddos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, it's real. It's, a, it's very humanizing. And um, we all could use a little bit of that, though. So I, I agree. Uh, it's, it's enough with the effortless perfection, especially for us working moms that we feel we need to project all the time this idea of effortless perfection and that you've compartmentalized your life in a way just so like that's not even possible right now right. and it's like pulling the band-aid off of that notion which is yeah. right so yeah i'm here for it <laughs> um well the reason you're here and thank you so much for joining us again i am I feel very lucky to have you back. Um, and I'm so grateful for all the work that you do. I wanted to check in and see how our homeless community is doing right now during the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, this has to be one of the toughest times, you know, for them. So, yeah. Oh, I mean, it's tremendous. Um, first I have to say this because I, I, I pointed it out to some friends on the East coast yesterday. It's not often that we praise our politicians. I mean, they're not there to be praised, let's be honest. We usually just knock them. There's always doing something wrong. And I have to say, I am so freaking proud of what we've done at the state, county, and city level with regards to the pandemic in general. Mm -hmm. I feel like, I mean, nothing's perfect, but man, talk about like great execution, great communication, great uh, infusion of like love and humanity into it yeah. as well. Like I've been very impressed. And so I just have to say that because it's also affected kind of every, all populations mm -hmm. um, on how people have kind of risen to the occasion and tried to do it. It's like putting out a fire while still trying to be somewhat strategic. 
And it's been really interesting to watch from different levels. So for our homeless population, okay, I guess start at the beginning. Um, When we first, this was maybe, I guess, a month ago, a little over a month ago that this came to a head where it was not just like, oh, there's something going on in Wuhan, there's something going on in China and we should be more Mm -hmm. mindful of that, or where we thought, okay, there's something going on here. Um, I remember there, the first week that this really came to a head, I was at the Lomita McCoy encampment to check on a friend on Friday before work. Sometimes I go before work and a couple individuals just said to me, what's going on? And I, I said, what, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, and they're like, why have no, why has no one been here for days? Mm. And I was like, oh my God, caseworkers aren't coming right now because they're kind of lost a lot of caseworkers were just sitting back trying to figure out how best to go in. You know, they were trying to sit back and think of their strategy. Now, that being said, then nobody knew what was going on. Right. So I was like, oh, uh, there's, there's a pandemic and it looks like they're going to close all the schools starting this week. And they were like, they're going to close the schools. Mm -hmm. And like, what do we do? And (laughs) I felt so powerless in a way. I, I said, I, I don't know, actually. I mean, they're, they're saying, you know, socially distanced. This was like the first day or two that this catchword came out. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, you should stay away from each other. And if you have a fever, if you're exhibiting any of these symptoms, at this point, you go to the hospital. And, and a lot of people were like, well, I don't even have my own tent. It's about to rain this weekend. How can I stay social? And I was like, okay. And I like quickly tried to brainstorm with some of the individuals about how they could adhere to some of these suggestions, given the fact that they have no home to stay safer at home at. Right. Don't have the resources right now to have tents or, uh, you know, private enclosures, especially in the rain where a lot of people switch around to kind of take care of each other or there'll be an opening here. So three people sleep in this tent. So anyway, I quickly responded to that. I actually that day wrote an email to the whole working group and then some of our other uh, government officials that we interface with a lot from the CD50 working group. So about 400 people got an email that afternoon, yeah. essentially saying very, you know, very not well curated email. Like this is what I saw today and experienced, and I, I, I can't. I need to do something about this. Yeah. I need to buy tents. I need to buy sleeping bags. I need to buy water, and I need to get them the information that we all have because they don't have it. Mm-hmm. So actually, Pastor Lisa, who a lot of people know, is kind of my partner in crime and. Mm-hmm just a super good friend and advocate. She and I went out that Sunday with uh, two other advocates and we gave out hygiene bags with some soap or some hand sanitizer. And the, the Department of Health, uh, just the one pager on what is COVID? What do you do? What do you look for? How do you stay safe? And I'd never seen so many folks rip open those bags, be like, thanks for the toothbrush, open the one pager. And we're like, oh my God, this is what I needed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like they wanted the piece of paper more than anything else. Well, I mean, it didn't really even occur to me that they weren't getting the information that we all get. You That's know, I mean, we're on television. Yeah, we're on our phones. I mean, yeah. we're on social media. We are getting it from our TV. We are hearing it from our jobs, you know? So it is, I mean, most of the information I got was from my job at the time. So yeah. I mean, it was a ton of info and and it didn't even occur to me that they weren't even getting the basic. And it didn't until they asked, right? And then I'm like, well, what do you mean? (laughs) How are you the only population that has no idea what's going on? Unbelievable. Um, Wow. So we went out and one of the best parts too, so we, you know, we gave people resources. We asked people what they needed. 
Um, even that one day, we happened to have a couple tents in our car because I put out that call on Friday mm -hmm. and in the next two days had raised a little over a thousand dollars and had a lot of people donate tents, sleeping bags, hand sanitizer, soap, water. People awesome. just came in onto my porch over the course of two days. So we went and we dispersed a lot of that. I mean, very carefully because everyone wants a tent, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so we were asking people questions and this one guy, um, I don't think he'd mind using it, Louise. He was an older gentleman who had some underlying health conditions and he was talking to me about this, like, what do I do? He was so interested and so scared, I could tell too. Like, well, what do I do? I'm, I'm older and I have diabetes and I have these other issues and my tent is that. And I looked over and it was a tarp held up with some poles. Yeah. And I was like, no, 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 you need, okay, hold on. And I went to my car and got him his tent and a sleeping bag. And he's like, I'm not going to leave this tent. And I don't think he has. I went and visited him every week since. Um, I think he's come out to use the restroom and then they got a hand washing station. He washes his hand three times a day wow. and then we'll bring him food to his tent. And so it's just an example of like one person who was mm -hmm. like, we enabled to just be able to kind of quote unquote shelter in place. Yes. And it was really cool to brainstorm with folks like, okay, let's just, you know, we don't have a roof. I get it. We have this amount of tents. There's these kind of pods of the encampment. Mm -hmm. What do we do? And so we're like, okay, what can we do? Um, why don't you pick three or four people? and become family with them mm -hmm. and interact with them. Uh, you can share tents amongst them. You can share resources and food and then try to isolate from everyone else. So we started to see these little clusters at that encampment. Hasn't mm -hmm. all been perfect. Some, there's one cluster that's like 15 people strong. I'm like, I don't know if that's the strongest. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, mm -hmm. So we were able to brainstorm with people. And then actually right after that, Pastor Lisa and I got on the phone with different county folks that we knew and city folks to get hand washing stations. And th that was already in the works that weekend we learned, but it was just a lot of advocates pushing for it now, not a week from now. We right. need hand washing stations everywhere yeah. because mm -hmm. it is not humane or acceptable to say everyone needs to practice social distancing, washing hands, and then not actually give anyone the resources to do it. So we, yeah. we so after that hand washing stations went out, in about a week. Some of them have been stolen since, which is just the way things go on the street, which is just mm -hmm. borderline hilarious. Um, so, and then another thing we did was to ensure folks had food. A lot of times in encampments, you get really well-meaning groups, especially faith-based organizations doing drop-offs, but they're not necessarily coordinated. So like you could have, you know, eight different groups dropping off burritos, sandwiches, and salads on a Tuesday, and then no one going for two days. And then- right it repeats and that's perishable food. So you also see in the encampments, we have a lot of rotten food. Uh, um, yeah. So we tried to circle the troops and just say, who's doing what, when, let's just make sure that maybe there's one food service a day, yeah. but there's at least one. Mm -hmm. um, so actually down by one of the encampments, one of the organizations said that they would now do Monday through Friday. And then uh, Temple Bethel here in San Pedro has been doing Saturdays for our encampments. And so uh, Pastor Lisa and I will get the sandwiches either delivered to our house. They have these lovely lunch packs or to the mm -hmm. church. And then she and I will go split them up, disperse and go back to the same encampments week over week so mm -hmm. that we're not exposing. I'm more worried about me exposing homeless folks, to be honest, because I'm not out and about, but they are actually isolated. Yeah. They're, I mean, they're the safest until they're not. Right. If something right. hit there, it would, it would spread like wildfire. But yes. uh, so we're going and we're, doing the check-ins from a distance and we're feeding folks um, and just making sure things are okay. We have a, like a backlog now of, of tents 
sleeping bags, tarps, and some basic toiletries so that when people say they need it, we can, we can have some on hand or go back. And um, that's kind of what's been going on on the ground. And I, I'm sure, I don't know if you've heard, we started along with Feed and Be Fed and the Chamber, a very small relief fund so that we I've seen, some, yeah. I've seen something like that on um, social media. So that's really good. Um, be sure to send me the links and stuff so I can yeah. come here. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not meant to be like, you know, there's some great, great uh, relief funds and responses going on. Like the mayor has one. And I know uh, Councilman Buscaino has one now that's around food delivery to families that are at need and then utilizing local restaurants to make that food. So yeah. these things are not in any way duplicating that or competing with that. Um, our fund is much more about like acute short-term needs. And we have the ability because the committee that is actually administering the fund is the Chamber of Commerce's Quality of Life Committee. And then we've also now bolstered it with some of our faith-based community. And that's a really interesting cross-section of business leaders, nonprofit leaders, LAPD, um, advocates. And so the folks that are really actually in touch with different areas of the community sit around that table. And we thought it would just be the great, it was already set up. There's already, you know, an arm for it. It's chaired by Tim McCosker and Mona and it's, it's actually worked really well and we've been able to be really nimble. We can call a meeting together and two days later have a meeting and make decisions. And that, you know, working in the philanthropic and nonprofit world, that's pretty rare to be able to move so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and we've raised about maybe $22,000, $23,000 that we can then start to dole out in micro grants, not even micro loans. We don't need it back. Anywhere between $100,000 and $5,000. Yeah. To organizations or to individuals. And that application should go live on the website this week, hopefully sometime. But um, actually, you can also just email Harbor Neighbor, just the way you think it's spelled, harborneighbor at gmail.com and just interface with the admin crew and we can get the information from you. And the application form is, it's, it's a one pager. It's super short. Like, yeah. what's your name? Why do you need the funding? What would you use it for? Will you tell us how you used it in 30 days? Great. Um, we'll yeah. look at it. Um, and, uh, it's just pretty straightforward and clear, but like I said, it's just responding to really acute needs. Like we were able to buy thermometers, those infrared thermometers for Harbor Interfaith so they could test people before coming in the shelter because they didn't have any access to funding for that. I so, didn't realize like all of the things that, you know, uh, became essential needs, you know, right when this hit, um, my, my parents had, uh, a friend of theirs test basically be in touch with somebody who had tested positive and now they needed to be able to monitor their fevers. If they had one, they didn't have a thermometer. They were all sold out like almost every store we went to. And it was like, I had some on hand because I just had a baby. So you get all these yes. baby thermometers Us with children have thermometers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was able to like, give them one, but yeah, there's so many essential items that I, you know, are needed during this time. And I can't imagine how much need there is when it, we were talking about our homeless community. Yeah. So as far as the, uh, the geography goes about this, uh, the encampments, where are the encampments? The ones that are, that you guys are catering to right now? Yeah. So we are primarily focused on the one outside of the post office in San Pedro and Lamita McCoy. It's over in Harbor city. There's also a big encampment in Wilmington. I'd say these are our three largest encampments in the council district. And mm -hmm. the Wilmington one I have to say is, um, you know, has traditionally and continues to be taken care of pretty well by um, 
our colleagues who are people that are actually very dear to my heart, which is Ernie Aguilar, who works in Wilmington. And then um, Tony, who does a needy Wilmington, that's one of his, that's his organization. Yeah. And they, they've, you know, been focused on that and are definitely like my, I mean, I love them so much. My colleagues in Wilmington who are doing what needs to be done over there. So mm -hmm. I feel very confident in how they are helping manage and uh, shepherd resources for that community. And, and Tony is able to do some of that work through his nonprofit as well. But that's an example of if they at any point would need anything, this relief fund could also give them some additional funds. So the relief fund is for Wilmington, San Pedro and Harbor City. Okay. Um, that's kind of the, um, the kind of geography that we've located, kind of picked for now. And um, even though Watts is part of the council district, they, from what I've heard, they're going to start one in South LA, a similar fund. And we actually sent them our notes and paperwork and everything that I did to set up our funds so that they could hopefully do it quickly and more easily. And I've even offered myself as a just free consultant on helping them set up that fund. So oh, that, they're good. trying to set that up as well. So um, people, people are very compelled by the idea of taking care of our own. I mean, I've said it a lot, like this fund is just by us, for us in the community. It's nothing fancier than that, honestly. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. that's really good. And I think that, I, I mean, I think that it's definitely needed and I hope people are able to contribute to it as much as possible. Yeah. Um, I had read recently somewhere, I think it was like on social media, it might've been by the Daily Breeze, but is it true that some of the local um, motels will be used to house some of the homeless? Since Hotels really aren't <laughs> at capacity at all right now. Yes, we are. We have one in the Lamita area. And then, um, so there's there's the motels. So I think the, uh, at the mayor's level, the they're, they're city level, they're calling that Project Room Key. Okay. Um, and so we have one in the Lamita area and we have one that just, uh, they finally brokered a deal, the CD15 office, I think on Friday. Mm -hmm. And that is the Sunrise Hotel here in San Pedro, which is, I want to say a hundred or 150 rooms. Oh, wow. Um, and we were actually on a call with Lhasa and I think that one is going to be run by the Salvation Army as the program service provider, mm -hmm. but um, they're now doing outreach to fill those spots. And there has been, I'll be honest, very you know forthright, there's been a lot of confusion as some of these programs have ro rolled out about who gets to be eligible for them. Mm -hmm. And that's, something that we're all honestly waiting through together. Cause on Saturday, Pastor Lisa and I knew about this hotel and knew that they were trying to gather names. And we ended up knowing that we can't be interfacing with people super close. We ended up putting in all the sack lunches, mm -hmm. um, our phone numbers and told folks to leave certain information that we would need on our voicemails and that we would get it to the folks who are compiling the pipeline for these. And we began to do that. Now we have a shared database or shared spreadsheet with Lhasa and through the CD15 office. But in the meantime, we'd also learned that not everyone would be eligible. At first it was, it seemed like most people would be eligible, but it's more what you would call in homeless services tier one, which mm -hmm. is folks that are over 65 or have underlying health conditions. And those are, those are even defined. And that's because, I mean, not to get too complex, but because these are all funded by FEMA. And so you have to be adhering to FEMA standards to do this. So it's not like the typical funding you see from LASA that comes through um, HUD. I mean, I know that's very in the weeds, but that's also part of the complexities of we have all these beds and we also have 
the city rec and park sites are mm -hmm. now being taken and turned into like quote unquote shelters that you're used to seeing more. Okay. Um, and those are also for vulnerable populations thus far. Mm -hmm. So it's really as advocates or any of us that are kind of still working in the field or interfacing with people, it's making sure that we are clear about what these eligibility requirements are and then trying to manage people's anxieties and fears around that. So yeah. I can give you an example. There's a woman that I've been texting with a lot over the past few days since she got my number who is pregnant and has lupus Ugh. and is living in the encampment. And we think she still does not qualify as a tier one. Wow. Um, so TBD and, and people are trying to figure that out. But honestly, while you're trying to fill a hundred beds, manage rec and park sites, manage the caseload, keep yourself safe, keep your staff safe. You know, this, this is taking a lot longer and I'm not blaming anyone for that. I'm just saying that's the reality. Like right now, if pre pandemic, if you would have, you know, we have something called LA hop. I think we've talked about it before, where if you yeah. see a homeless individual, you can, you can be the person that inputs their data on LA hop and they can try to get an outreach worker out. Now, I think these days that turnaround time is looking more like three plus days. Yeah. Where it used to be pretty, pretty immediate or not, not that long. I mean, three plus days sounds pretty quick for these, these, you know. Right. And so, but three plus days doesn't mean they're going to come inside. It just means someone to go say, hi, do you yeah. need something? Right. And so that process is taking longer. And to be honest, this population does not always stay put for three plus days. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So on one hand, we are doing a lot and I'm proud of our administration for really stepping up and saying, all right, enough is enough. We need to get people indoors. Everyone deserves the same right to shelter in place, especially if they are you know, vulnerable. Mm -hmm. But um, that being said, like everywhere else, even in the general population, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of the unknown and a and think about that with just even less access to the latest resources and information, you know? Yeah, I am really, I mean, it, it honestly warms my heart to know that so much, so much has gone into it already um, because I honestly had no idea what was going on. You know, I, I wasn't sure if there was something getting organized that was going to be able to address the needs of, you know, our most vulnerable. Um, so I am really happy to hear that there has been so much effort. There has been so much collaboration and, um, of course things are going to take a long time, but hopefully, I mean, it, it seems like there's a great team working on it. So it, the ball's already, yeah. no, there really is a great team. And mm -hmm. you know, there's so much about this situation that is under the radar right now. And I hear this from my colleagues in all areas of the field, like, uh, and there's been some articles published on this, but you know, I really feel for women and men who are experiencing domestic violence, who yeah. um, are trapped at home and children who were under the care of DCFS or maybe weren't on their radar yet that are trapped at home. Um, I feel for parents who have children with disabilities that have to figure it all out themselves. And, you know, these are all populations that I've been, you know, in touch with one way or another. And I mean, it really brings to light how much we depend on each other and safety nets on a, on a regular basis. Right. That these things, there are certain populations hidden in, in plain sight that are, that are really hurting right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's just really important to keep working together and to keep making sure that 
all of our vulnerable populations, even if they aren't the ones listed by the government in the one pagers that there's a, there's a lot of folks that are, um, that are struggling in lots of different ways right now, you know? Yeah. Um, bringing up domestic violence, that's definitely something that's been on my mind. Um, just because, I mean, I, I know it's a real thing. Like I, I don't, I've always thought about the person who's been in an abused relationship and right now being stuck at home is not, it's not a good situation for them. It's not safer for everybody at home, you know? Um, right. so I, yeah. I would really love to get somebody on the show so we can really talk about it. Um, and shed light on the issue because domestic violence is still very, very common and not okay. Um, and I want to get the resources that are available out there to the public and to the community, you know, so we can start yeah. spreading that word. Yeah, you should definitely bring someone on. I mean, it's such a uh, complex issue. And I think we look at it as black and white so much. Yeah. And there's so many areas of gray when you really start to talk about what constitutes violence and um, abuse mm -hmm. in various ways and how, and then you put it in the lens of a situation like this where people are being laid off from their jobs, are yeah. in financial distress, yeah. are scared, are, um, you know, maybe have compounding issues. And it's like, my heart feel, <laughs> I feel it every day, honestly, I really think about it. Like just to throw out a stat, it takes a woman, and this is just for a woman, there's domestic violence goes, does not discriminate across gender. Um, but it takes a woman usually six to seven times leaving to finally leave Yeah, because of financial issues usually. And I can't imagine how that's exacerbated in a pandemic where uh, everyone is scared Yeah, for their financial realities. So anyway, mm -hmm. we digress completely, but I just had to say that, you know, that, and all these things intersect. And I've said this on this podcast before, and I really do believe like, uh, even though homelessness is the issue that I focus on, the most hours of my day, all of these things intersect. And it's, it, homelessness just happens to be kind of the tip of the iceberg or the most visible manifestation of what we see with the, with the challenges to our education system, with domestic violence, with our you know, economic development, with just with everything. Yeah. It all comes to a head at homelessness in a way. Um, I, I know. And I mean, like just thinking back on our previous episodes, you made that so clear, you know, it's like, where does the mother and child go who are in an abusive relationship or in an abusive home that isn't safe and she has no funds, no control over finances at all, you know, maybe hasn't even given, been given the opportunity um, to go make money for herself without having to pay some childcare. I mean, who knows what the situation yeah. is? I'm already stressing thinking about it. And I mean, what are the odds that they end up homeless? I would say pretty great, you know, because the resources just aren't in place for, for her, you know? Oh, yeah. uh, it, I mean, it's all about how tightly wound your safety net is to, to hold you and how long it can hold you, right? right. Like the real robustness of your safety net. Mm -hmm. And we find over time that starts to sever more, more mm -hmm. holes are made and, um, I mean, basically, one thing I have to say for, for you and your podcast is you really do bring a lot of these issues to light. And a lot of them meet at this issue and intersect when I think about, you know, you talking to Rudy about mental health issues. God, can you think about all the folks right now that are stuck at home, have very little access to their therapists, their support group, the things that they do to make themselves feel okay or not okay or whatever, or even folks that... Um, 
you know, I know folks that struggle with substance abuse and haven't been able to go in person to meetings. It's, I know they have a bunch of online meetings, but when you've done an in-person AA meeting every single day of your life since you became sober and that got taken away from you, like what, what do we, what do we do with that? Yes. Yeah, I know. Um, uh, Josh and I are trying to do, um, weekly, COVID-19 updates for the community, you know, um, it should be coming out like tomorrow or so, but, uh, we were talking about how we're struggling, you know, he, like, like if we're struggling with anxiety and, you know, some depression, like there are probably people out there who are really, really, really suffering. You know, I have my husband and my son, they've been, you know, a joy to have around. Of course it is hard being stuck in a house, but, um, you know, we're lucky, we're lucky ones. And, um, I know that it's got to be very difficult for people to have their social safety net be taken away. I'm a social person. You know, if I'm not interacting with people constantly, like I can, I can see myself spiraling a little bit, you know, luckily with technology, I've been able to really keep in touch. Um, my parents luckily have been able to help me out with the baby. I actually lost childcare through this because my cousin usually watches my son and her son has had, um, known respiratory issues in the past. So we're not taking any chances. You know, my husband works at a hospital. There's just too many risks to have my son be at her house, you know? Um, so luckily my, my parents are pretty young. They're pretty young grandparents and they were up for the task and they're allowing me to be able to go and make an income. You know, these are just our struggles, you know, and we're not, we're not at the, at the bottom. We're not at at all. Like it's stressful for us, you know? So I can only imagine, um, what it's been like for people who are not in safe environments, for people who do not have the financial safety net. Yeah. And I think it's really important to shed light on these issues because, you know, it's not all walks in the park and work at your craft table for everybody. It's, it's not. Really, yeah, yeah, it's really not. And that being said though, too, this is hard for everyone. I yep. mean, this, this involves a lot of grief. We're like all grieving and it sounds maybe privileged, but we're all grieving the life that we're used to on all levels across all spectrums. Yeah. And so, everybody's like uh, experience and emotional yes. reactions to this is completely valid. Totally. And even like, I'll be honest, when I go into the encampments, they get mad that like, well, I can't go over here or like, I'm not, and it's like, no, you can't. Like you, I know you want to go to five points and go visit your friend. Like, no, just no. Um, so like I said, like it's all, it's everyone. Everyone in their own way to the own, to their own scale is experiencing this. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing we can do is try the hardest we can to take care of ourselves right. and then think about with that limited capacity you may have for something else. Think about how you can help take care of others. Yes. And I've seen that. I mean, I've been so proud of this community seeing, um, you know, folks do gro- buy groceries for each other. I've had neighbors leave gifts. I've had actually a lot of very sweet porch gifts over the last couple of weeks. The porch gifts are really, really nice. Porch yeah. Gifts are where it's at and like letters yeah. and, um, you know, we, we care about each other. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. So I try to focus on that. And even when I go visit my friends in the encampment, they're like, how are you? What's going on? They maybe know about some stuff going on in my personal life. And I'm like, wow, you're asking me how I'm doing? Like I drove up, up my car in my car yeah. <laughs> from my house. Yeah. But it shows you humans when it comes to this, most humans, uh, they want to connect and they want to help. Yeah. They want to connect and, and 
we, we care. It's like inevitable that we care for each other. Um, and that's what's so nice to hear uh, about all of the work that you're involved with and how widespread, you know, the effort has been so that we are taking care of everybody, um, especially the most vulnerable in our community. So that makes me really, really happy. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And I would encourage people to, to learn more about the fund. Mm -hmm. If, uh, if you want to, it's on the feed and be fed site. I'll have give you the, the, the website for it. But I mean, the fact that it's like a nonprofit, a couple advocates and the chamber sponsoring this, who of course our chamber is like beyond a chamber. Like, mm -hmm. you know, there's so much more about taking care of our community and making sure quality of life here is paramount. I think uh -huh. I'm going to be bugging Elise Swanson very soon. Right. You should. Um, not, like, not busy enough or anything, but yeah. Right. And right. just, gonna, just, just be really nonchalant and ask yeah. for an hour of her time. No problem. <laughs> But she's been tremendous. I mean, she's one of those people that you, th you say, okay, I think I have an idea of something that would make the community better. And she's like, great, what can I do? I'll do it tonight. I, how, how fast do you need it done? Who else can I think of to bring in? And it's like, okay. Um, yeah. And you know, what's funny. That's her exact reaction to when I told her I was starting the podcast, she was like a hundred percent. What can I, I help? Um, I'm so happy. You know, I love podcasts and I was like, Oh, she's, she's amazing. She yeah. Was, yeah. Get her back on. It's so, I'm sure she has a really interesting perspective on how everything is going from kind of the business economic development. That's what I wanted to know yeah. too, because there's yeah. so many small businesses hurting right now. I wanted to check in and see, you know, who's, who's vulnerable right now. We know I've been talking to a lot of business owners and it's just, it's a lot of people have fallen on hard times and I would hate for any to be completely lost after this. Um, you know, after this is all over, I, I just need us to get hang in there together, you know? Yeah. And I think we will, I think we will for the most part, we just need to know who needs the help, you know? Yeah. Um, the community will provide. I think that's, you know, that's been true. That's what you've said also, like we care and everybody steps up, you know? Yeah. So and when you step up, it comes back. I yeah. really believe that. Yeah. Um, the more we take care of each other, the more we are taken care of. Yeah, so. I totally agree. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today. I mean, that was an amazing update. And honestly, I'm, I'm really proud of all of the work that you guys are doing. It makes me very, very happy. Um, be sure to send me the link so I can put them in the show notes and then yes, I'll, do that right now. I'll throw it out there for everybody. Um, I really appreciate your, appreciate your time. Thanks so, so much for what you're doing. Again, that was Amber Shea Ginsburg. She is an LA-based nonprofit consultant, and we are lucky to have her in our backyard doing amazing work with amazing people and organizations. Um, I really enjoyed our interview, and I'm really glad that there is a lot being done to help out our homeless neighbors and um, communities. Uh, if you want to get involved, all of the information is going to be um, in the links in the show notes. Um, so yeah, and don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions at all. All right, guys, stay safe out there, stay home, have a good one.